everyone, and welcome to What's Brewing CISFA. What's Brewing CISFA is a podcast produced for the California Community College's Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as the 2021-2022 CISFA past president. Dana is busy today, so this last news podcast we'll ever do is, again, just you and me and the news. So let's get it started. Welcome to another episode of What's Brewing, CISFA. Let's start the show off with our first cups. And seeing that this is a uh, afternoon taping, the first cup is already long gone. Uh, and if we had Dana here, I'm sure her first two cups are way long gone. So today is just news here on our third last episode of What's Brewing, CISFA. So uh, I dug as much as I could for as much news as possible, but it is kind of a quiet time in the summer for financial aid news. So we do have a few items. Let me start off with the first one coming out of federal student aid. They became aware of an issue concerning users from being able to submit a correction to their FAFSA using the FAFSA.gov website. This apparently happens when users are attempting to change dependency status to independent, assuming that we're talking about someone who was a dependent student when they did their initial FAFSA, and are now trying to change it to independent, and the student happened to have their parents use the IRS data retrieval tool in a previous transaction. So what does all that mean to the non-financial aid person? Somebody filed a FAFSA, probably right out of high school. They're under 24 years old, not married, etc. Needed parent information on the FAFSA. And when they ask for income information, they can use what's called the IRS data retrieval tool to actually pull the information electronically from IRS data systems. So what they're saying here is the problem is users who then maybe go back into the FAFSA and update one of those questions that makes them independent. For example, like being married or a veteran of the armed forces or orphan or ward of the quarter, things like that. This is where we're having... Uh, an area where students could not submit corrections. So what they're saying here is there's a couple workarounds. First one makes the most sense, assuming that the student has a, a reason for, uh, an allowable reason for changing dependency status, would be that they contact their financial aid administrator at their college financial aid office and request the financial aid office submit the correction or... They can call the Federal Student Aid Information Center at the normal 1-800-4-FED-AID number, request that they receive a paper student aid report, which is like the output of a FAFSA. You get a student aid report, and now they're all electronic. But you can get a paper one. And it says here, once that student aid report is received, the student could then make the corrections on that paper student aid report, sign as appropriately, and then submit it for processing. I doubt many will do that. But it is an option. So it does say here, though, that Federal Student Aid is working on a solution for this and will update us once implemented. So this was just an update to their electronic announcements back on June 16th in case anyone's ran across that issue. A couple other updates from Federal Student Aid. 
First one was regard, regarding eligible non-citizen status here and regarding uh, to Afghan arrive, arrivals. So this was uh, a dear colleague letter put out on the 17th of the month that in summary just says that the U.S. Department of Education now considers the following non-citizens to be eligible for Title IV federal aid. So this would include special immigrant lawful permanent residents, special immigrant conditional permanent residents, special immigrant parolees, and non-special immigrant Afghan parolees. So the, the use of the word parolees, not what you think of as far as a justice thing, um, but it's a, uh, a term used by immigration officials as far as for a status for somebody. So this was just kind of an update because we've had some different uh, updates in law regarding uh, Afghan arrivals, as they say, and whether or not they're considered to be immigrants or non-immigrants and such. This is just an update that I guess adds to it uh, non-special immigrant Afghan parolees to be eligible to apply for Title IV aid. So it's a pretty long Dear Colleague letter because there are a lot of details to this. Probably because more than likely, even if they can do a FAFSA, it may get rejected and need to have further processing done on their behalf. Uh, usually that means that we have to confirm their status uh, through the Department of Homeland Security's SAVE website, a secondary process after doing the FAFSA. We'll go on to our last news story from Federal Student Aid. This is just a... Uh, request of people uh, posted in the federal registers. And it's a request for comments regarding the FAFSA form and demographic information that's asked for it on the form. So according to this, Department of Ed is requesting comment on a new information collection requirement to gather demographic information with the FAFSA form. So again, keeping in mind FAFSA Simplification Act that was passed back in late 2021, I believe, as part of an Appropriations Act, adds sex and race or ethnicity as information required to be provided by the applicant on the FAFSA form. So you thought it was getting simpler, but now it isn't. And again, there's probably a reason that it was written into law that way is so that, again, schools or others who use FAFSA information for financial aid purposes could collect that kind of information, either for statistical purposes or for the awarding of actual aid. So that's the last of that update. It's a short one. The link that I will give you to all these items, like this one in particular, will give you the link to the Federal Register. And if you've never seen a super long, dense government document, you're really going to love this one if you've never seen a Federal Register. Let's move on to something simpler, state aid. So coming from our friends at California Student Aid Commission, they put out a special alert just today. No, I'm sorry. It actually went out yesterday, according to the date, which means we didn't get it till today. And this is the item number GSA 2022-42. And this is about the annual renewal of web grants access. So this is just a reminder that for Student Aid Commission to be able to access web grants and you know, process Cal grants and such. Uh, the deadline to submit the form will be July 29th, 
this year. To do it, uh, there is a system administrator access request form that has to be uh, completed, signed off by the school, and submitted. Processed by student aid commission usually only takes a couple of days. And then at that point, your system administrators, and that's usually like the financial aid director and assistant director, can ensure that they can update eligibility for their staff to continue to use web grants. So it's not like you're sending a form, luckily, for every single person. Instead, it's like the, the main people at your campus get to do the form to request access, and then they grant access to all the other employees in the office. Actually, it's not a bad process. The only problem has always been me meeting the deadline as I, for whatever reason, run right to the last minute of the deadline before submitting. Last update here from the Student Aid Commission. Uh, also put out just at the end of last week, this is a special alert, number 42, about 2021-22 Supplemental Chafee Foster Youth Grant Program Funding. So this was an announcement regarding augmentation from federal COVID relief money that was passed back and all the way back in uh, December 2020. And this included an additional $400 million for the Chafee Foster Care Program. And with a, a minimum required allocation to the Chafee Education Training Voucher Program of $50 million. From this, just so you know, California received $6 million of that $50 million amount. So what they're saying here is that the maximum Chafee for the current school year, probably for a lot of students who've already received Chafee awards, is up to $6,500 now. So before it used to be $5,000. It says here that students may receive additional money for each term in which they receive the payment, must, and that the student must have enough unmet need and additional payments will not exceed the $1,500 for the year. So let's get some additional information here for schools about how they can process that um, and uh, the type of information that we can use by looking at our payment rosters to determine who might have eligibility. Again, this money goes to foster youth and former foster youth and is really kind of that supplemental money that, again, helps make up a little bit for the fact that more than likely these are students who do not have the parental support that most other dependent students would at the ages of 18, 19, or 20 or so. And so the extra 5000 is good. It's nice that it could be up to now $6,500 for the school year. Now, like I said, this is the last news day, and I don't have a whole lot of news. This is all I could found, find today. I got two last things to close this out uh, before we're done here. So we're only going to have one cup today. Who knew? Uh, this item comes from Higher Ed Dive, and it says here, uh, the title of the article is, Here's a Closer Look at Which Stopped Out Students Are Re-Enrolling in College. And so its starting line is, you know, at a time when 39 million people have attended college without earning a credential, understanding who has returned could help future recruiting. So it is, as it says here, you know, in, the, in this year, you know, 39 million adults under 65 have left college without completing a credential. Now that's over time. That's not just one year, everybody. Uh, but it says here in the 2020-21 school year, the last school year, not the current one, uh, just 2.4% re-enrolled in classes. And this is according to a report from the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center. 
released early last month, it showed the number of stopped out students grew by 1.9 million, 1.9 million students or 5.3% since the last time the numbers were calculated in December, 2018. So it says here for institutions and states understanding who exactly is re-enrolling can help with strategizing about how to attract and graduate other stopped out students. So it looks at a couple of the different key characteristics and gives some information in this. So I don't want to give you too much. I want you to read the article. But it looks at in terms of, uh, of course, our uh, gender, age, and how that might play in, uh, race, ethnicity, institution type as far as community college, four-year school, public or private and such, and then also based upon the credentials sought. Uh, as it says here, the most common credential earned by re-enrollees differed along racial lines. Black students were more likely to receive a certificate, while Latina, Latino students were more likely to receive an associate degree. Asian students most commonly received bachelor's degrees. Stopped-out students most commonly earned associates and non-degree certificates. Those are ones that, again, are usually shorter than an associate degree. And that accounts for about 69% of their annual total awards. So, as it says here, you know, there's notable contrast and national patterns here to be looked at. They even talked a little bit about state by state as far as how some states are slightly better than others at getting students re-enrolled. So definitely a worthwhile article. And again, the good thing is the article does link to the report from the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center. And now, everybody, for the last news story we're going to get to cover Unless for some reason uh, Dana and I decide to do a little bit of news on our last show we'll tape next week. Coming from University Business Magazine, this was an interesting, I assume, opinion piece uh, written by Chris Burt. But um, quoting uh, College 101 uh, as an organization, their CEO, Stig Leshley, the title of it is Could Five, Fifty, or Even 200 New Colleges Help Save Higher Ed from Freefall? So that's an interesting uh, line because considering we'd probably think it'd be more beneficial to close schools when you're considering how some of them are not attracting the same numbers and going to have some big fiscal issues down the road. This person, uh, again, Stig Leshley, he's the CEO of a public policy think tank called College 101. He also is a Harvard Business School lecturer and has been in education for 30-plus years, talks about and thinks about it in terms of actually needing more institutions. And uh, i got to say, it's an interesting article on the whys and the hows and how a couple schools actually uh, have moved this kind of way. He brings up Southern New Hampshire University, which is a real university, and if you've ever seen a TV ad for them, you also know that they have an incredibly large online program. And then specifically built as an online program is Western Governors University. You know, so he talks about how, again, these are steps along the way, but he also says that, you know, there are students who could benefit from other types of schools. And he, in particular, he talks a lot about what we call non-selective institutions. So these would be, for example, community colleges where uh, – we don't have a set ACT or SAT score, or you have to write an essay or meets or another criteria. 
oftentimes, uh, even for us, you don't even have to be a high school graduate. Now, you do have to be to get federal financial aid and most state aid. Uh, but those type of things are secondary to actually being accepted at a school. So that's what the non-selective part is what he's saying. It's not a, a, a commentary on quality as much as just, again, accessibility for students. So definitely worthwhile reading out at University Business. And again, luckily, these are all free. I will give you a link to the story in the show notes. But until then, I'm going to give you a little bit of music before we head into our last segment of the day. All right, going to get you out on time with plenty of time for the rest of your day by moving us right through our last sip. So the only I dare you to is, um, and I've looked at a few of these, but it depends upon where you get our podcast from. I notice that our show notes are very, very different. Now, when I put them together, it actually looks pretty neat. I've got a paragraph I put out in bullets all of the items from our news with links within those and then a little trailer information about, you know, this uh, is a production of Studio 1051, et cetera, and all that at the bottom of the show notes. I've noticed with a couple of them, you don't always get the links, uh, different types of uh, places you'd go to get podcasts or those bullets just turn all into one block of text. Um, so I'll say I'll dare you to, if you're not using it, and again, I'm not uh, promoting their product, but if you really need to get a hold of notes that I've given you for the day, it looks like Google Podcasts has the best organization. So they seem to take the information that I put on my pod website out at podbean.com to people that host What's Brewing CISFA and retain as much of the uh, layout as possible. But if you're using a different player and you've had good results as far as the layout of our notes, please let me know. I just want to make sure because although this pod will end, we want to make certain that when we get on to the next project, we have the same kind of idea where we have good notes for everyone with good links. So that's my idea, you two. Check out the other ways to get our pod. Report back to me if you can before the show goes away so that our next projects are even better. But until then, this is really all we have time for today. So I want to thank you for our audience as always for tuning in. Keep in mind what's brewing CISFA is a production of studio 1051, a creative collaboration of me and Dana Yarbrough. And that this has been episode number 198 recorded Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. Have a great day, everybody, and have a great week.